When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. After a brief hiatus, it is time once again for five questions on the YouTube and podcast homes. For BamaOnline.com, Travis Schreier, senior analyst, back with senior team reporter, Charlie Potter. Charlie, you know, when coming up with just five questions for this Alabama-LSU game, it was one of those weeks where that was a little bit of a tougher task. You know, some weeks... It's tough to come up with five questions. I think we could probably do eight, 10, 12, but we won't hold you to that today. <laughs> yeah, this is always, well, I say that it, you get to this point of the week on Wednesday and you're kind of like, well, we've, we've talked about a lot already because you have the bye week This always falls on that. But for this, I think for you and me, we can, we can definitely uh, come up with a bunch to discuss, but to try to trim it down to where, it's a nice, listenable, you know, 20, 30 minutes. It, it can be a challenge. Efficiency. That's what we're about here on five questions. So with that, we'll get things going, Charlie, with our first question. For the Alabama Crimson Tide in this matchup with the nation's top offense, for Alabama, its most important defensive player this week. Who is that guy? You can name a lot of guys. I think uh, I initially thought of a player in the secondary. LSU has two of the best uh, wide receivers, not just in the SEC, but in the country, in Malik Neighbors and Brian Thomas Jr. Um, I thought about a guy like Dallas Turner, Chris Braswell off the edge. But I think given some of the plays we saw Jaden Daniels make last year in this game with his legs, I think a guy like Deontay Lawson or maybe even a Jihad Campbell at inside linebacker is most important. I don't know. Um, you know, who's going to draw the, the spy card if they choose to go that route. But just keeping contain on Jaden uh, is going to be big in this game. He's shown he's just a prolific passer. He's the SEC's top basher, passer. He leads the nation or is up there near the top in several statistical categories. Um, you know, the guy's thrown for over 2,500 yards. He has over 500 rushing yards. And that latter stat, what he's able to do with his legs, is uh, going to be really important for Alabama to get off the field. Uh, you know, they can play really well in coverage. Uh, you can even have a pretty sound pass rush, but if he's able to slip out and you know, he can move the sticks with his legs. So for me, I think those inside linebackers just stopping the run, you know, playing sounding coverage, but also keeping that slippery quarterback from, from getting out and making plays. They're going to be really important in this game. I don't think you can go wrong with that pick. Just the inside linebackers in general. Uh, and it really is a, a team effort when you go against a guy like this who can do things with his legs. Because in some instances last year in the game, it was the guys up front that got out of some lanes maybe that opened some things up for Jaden Daniels to really, as Nick Saban said earlier in the week, kill Alabama. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, yeah I, I don't think you can go wrong with that. I'll go Caleb Downs. A again, another guy right up the middle of the defense. And I think – uh, for similar reasons, because whether it's Caleb Downs, whether it's Deontay Lawson, whether it's Jihad Campbell, if we see Trez Marshall in this game for Alabama, uh, those guys are going to have a lot to do with keeping explosive plays to a manageable total. As you said earlier now, 
you know, those corners, the star position, they're going to have something to do with it too. But specifically when Daniels and some of these guys like Malik Neighbors, uh, like Brian Thomas, uh, even when you talk about uh, a tight end like Mason Taylor, you know, we could see Caleb Downs in that situation or the linebackers matched up with him from time to time. Uh, those would be the picks for me as well. You know, we talk about the corners too, kind of a question within the question, uh, not one that we're specifically going to go over. I think Kool-Aid McKinstry, not just as a corner this week against those LSU receivers, but if he's still the guy back there, right, on punt returns. I know Alabama's looking for some improvement there in terms of just fielding punts on a consistent basis. Yeah, I asked Nick Saban about that during the bye week on the SEC teleconference, and, you know, he expressed his confidence in, in Kool-Aid, and you didn't expect him to really not say that. I just thought he might – to talk about the importance of simply fielding the ball because we've seen Kool-Aid just let a bunch of those bounce by him, and that's precious field position. And in a game like this with an offense like LSU's, you don't want to be, you know, the team on the short end of the field. Uh, they want to – you know, the long end of the field. You want to be able to put yourself in um, ideal situations from a field position standpoint, and fielding the, the punt is the easiest way to do that. So, you know, he's talked about some of the challenges he's faced just in terms of teams punting a little differently to him, and, and that's – kind of to be expected given the success he was able to have last year. I think he finished second in the nation just in yards per return, but my man's got to come up and, and catch the ball. So if, if he is back there, that'll be something to watch. Um, heck, we talked to Isaiah Bond last week too, and yeah, he kind of maybe hinted that he might be back there uh, returning points. That would be an exciting um, development to see if that happens. Uh, it sounds like though, just with the way Nick Saban's talked and the way that Kool-Aid McKinstry's talked, he still might be the guy. But if they do make a change, that'd be something to watch because if, if you can fill the plan and not only do that, but get some positive yardage out of that, I think that'll be really big going against this offense. Who knows? Maybe they'll uh, put both guys back there, yeah. Bond and Kool-Aid, first thing on We've Saturday seen, night. Hey, we did see – I mean, it's, it's more so maybe as a lead blocker situation, but Caleb Downs mm -hmm. was back there, and he's a guy that's listed on the depth chart as a backup there. He and uh, Cole Adams, the freshman wide receiver. So it's, it's not out of the realm of possibility. Let's flip it to the other side, Charlie. Let's talk about Alabama's most important offensive player for this game against LSU on Saturday night. Which way are you going there? I wanted to be creative and think of something else, but it has to be Jalen Milrow. Um, you know, he's a guy that he's made steady progress over the course of the season. But in this game, uh, you know, he needs to play mistake-free football. Uh, I think that we've seen him continue to gain confidence and comfortability as a passer over the course of the season. And he is a guy that, you know, he's expressed it a bunch of times, be a point guard, uh, take what the defense gives, all that stuff. But there's going to be some situations in this game maybe where he can make some plays with his legs because he's going up against a defense that while it has uh, some playmakers, they're, they're without a lot of guys too because of injury and availability. Uh, LSU hasn't had a great defense. So for if, if Jalen Milrow goes out and has a great game, like an SEC Offensive Player of the Week type of game, I like Alabama's chances even more. Uh, I think he can play well. I think he can make plays just going into it um, blindly for me, not for him. But I do think that – it's going to be important for him to take care of the football. You know, we saw him with a couple of turnovers against Tennessee. He doesn't need to do that. Uh, and just sustain drives. They need to be able to have a quick start. They need to have success, and they need to do it consistently because that keeps the defense on the sideline. That keeps Jaden Daniels in that offense 
uh, off the field too. So for me, yeah, I, I thought about maybe going to running back because I think the running game will be important. Uh, you could go with some offensive linemen as well, but I just think for Alabama to have success in this game, Jalen Milrow needs to have a big game. I think he's certainly capable of it. Well, since you went with Jalen Milrow, I'm going to go with one of those running backs. Give me Jace McClellan. Nearly yeah. 200 rushing yards in his last two games. Workman-like performance his last time out against Tennessee. Career high, 27 totes. I think that was eight more than his previous career high. He should be refreshed and ready to take on as much as is needed this week. But it could be a collaborative effort. It could be Jace McClellan with some Roydell Williams. Maybe they get to Jam Miller. Who knows? Justice Haynes, potentially. But I went that route in large part because of what you said about sustaining drives, uh, game control, I think they call it these days. Uh, could be big if Alabama is able to do that uh, with McClellan, with that run game. So, Milrow, I, I'm, I'm all with you on that. You kind of got to go with him. Uh, but as an extension, uh, I'll go with Jace McClellan there at the running back position. Our third question of LSU week for you, Charlie. Will the Crimson Tide score a touchdown in the first quarter this week? This kind of goes back to what you alluded to just a minute ago about faster starts. I I think they will, and it's not because of what they've done recently because that would lead you to say no. It's just because – LSU, man, they they haven't looked good on defense. You look at them just statistically, you know, they're ranked, you know, 75th or lower in just about every statistical category. And that's, you know, in all of FBS. So it's a team that has, has struggled defensively. Again, they're missing some some key pieces. All of their transfer corners aren't going to play in this game. Uh, Makai Wingo is out uh, with an injury. So it's a situation where you're going against a defense that's um, kind of battered. Uh, whether it's just the, the season they've had, uh, the the attrition they've had from an injury standpoint, and for Alabama, um, yeah, I think they've they've kind of been on that steady trend. Um, you know, you want to be able to put together the second half or carry over the second half from the Tennessee game, but um, you know, when they're on, they're on, and they need to come out with a hot start. I think that script is going to be really important for Tommy Reese. And you just look at it, though. I mean, LSU's you know in the bottom rankings in terms of third down conversions. I think they're ranked 101st in terms of opponent third down rate. They're even worse than that when it comes to the red zone. So if Alabama can establish the line of scrimmage, you know, get the run game going and hit some of those deep shots, I think they could score first drive and then keep it going. I think that's what's going to be important for this is just that consistency uh, against this defense. Because while there are players like Harold Perkins on that side of the ball that are going to be, you know, stars on Sunday, this is just a team that hasn't put it together on the defensive side of the ball. And Alabama has to be able to take advantage of that and take advantage of it early. Agreed. Alabama has been up and down where the opening quarter is concerned. Had a couple touchdowns at Mississippi State, one of those of the non-offensive varieties that seems like a long time ago. Went a quarter and a half against Tennessee last time out uh, without scoring. Uh, you said it, this LSU defense, I get it. The last two games, Auburn, Army, LSU pitched a couple of first-quarter shutouts. But before that, LSU in road games within the league at Ole Miss, at Missouri, gave up a combined five first-quarter touchdowns. So I'm going to go with Alabama 
to get in the end zone on Saturday because I think this LSU defense, especially now with Makai Wingo out up front to go along with the other issues that LSU is having right now, I think LSU defensively is still more of what we saw in Oxford and Columbia, Missouri than what we saw against a couple of bad offenses in Auburn and Army. And I think you also touched on it. As much as we'll talk about will Alabama find the end zone in the first quarter on Saturday night, I think Alabama needs to, uh, especially with that home crowd behind it, really keep uh, that advantage at its back for as much of that game Saturday night as it possibly can. So let's talk about when the dust settles on Saturday night. From a statistical perspective, Charlie, which stat will be most telling from this game when it's all said and done? I Again, this one was one that was hard because I thought of a lot of different things. I think Jaden Daniels' rushing yards will be telling. Uh, heck, Alabama was able to sack him, I think, six times last year, but he still had 95 yards in that you know, touchdown to win the game in overtime. I just I think that, for me, it's, it's almost kind of cliche, but turnover margin. And this game especially, um, you know, Jaden Daniels takes care of the football. I think he only has three picks. Uh, LSU's plus six in the turnover margin through eight games, and they've only coughed it up five times or lost the ball five times to turnovers. And so Alabama's at plus two with eight of those. Um, I think you look at the, the personnel for, for LSU, a guy like Zy Alexander is not going to be playing this game. He has two picks on the year. He leads the team in, in uh, passes defended with nine, uh, and that's third in the SEC. So a guy that's adept to uh, creating some of those turnovers or helping create some of those turnovers is already off the field. Um, they're going to have some young guys to step up in their place. Maybe they, they get the job done. But I think if whoever can win the turnover margin in this one, uh, it's it's going to be important. And we've seen that in past LSU games uh, as well. But I, I just think if Alabama's defense can get pressure on Jaden Daniels and force him into some mistakes, and, and they weren't able to really do that last year with no interceptions, uh, but this, this defense has been more uh, turnover or more advantageous when it comes to that, more aggressive like with that. So I, I just think that if Alabama can be on the plus side of that, that will go a long way in deciding this one. Yeah, I think average drive start, turnover margin, red zone, touchdown conversions, all those things are going to be important in this game. And I'll go with something that you talked about in relation to Jaden Daniels and his rushing yards, but I'll throw Logan Diggs in there too. I think you might be able to say the same thing about Jalen Milrow and Jace McClellan from the Alabama perspective. But when you look at LSU offensively on the ground, the Tigers come into this game averaging 217 rushing yards in SEC play, 178 yards per game of those coming from Daniels and Diggs. So in some ways, I think the challenge will be similar to what Tennessee posed with Joe Milton, Jalen Wright, and those running backs. Although I think with Daniels, there's more versatility in the way that he can hurt you with his legs. I guess what I'm saying, Charlie, is that as much as we already have and we'll talk about Daniels and his receivers. For the Alabama defense, it will start with limiting that ridiculous run game production LSU has had to this point in SEC play. I don't know. We'll see. There's some football talk for you. We're going to cap things, Charlie, with some hoops talk because the Alabama men's basketball team headed towards its season opener early next week in Tuscaloosa couple of preseason games, scrimmages. Those things are out of the way now following 
the Crimson Tide's visit to Wake Forest last Sunday. So what I'm going to do is ask you, who will make up Alabama's starting five when Nate Oates' team opens the season against Moorhead State next Monday night? Well, I think one of the first things we'll ask Nate, and we'll talk to him on Friday this week, uh, is just the availability of Mark Sears. He's a guy that will undoubtedly be in this starting lineup after finishing second on the team in scoring last year, but he's been unavailable for these two preseason games uh, with a groin injury. So if Mark is healthy, which I think that's kind of what it's been leading to, they're giving him some rest, they know what Mark brings to the table, um, then I think it'll be Mark at the two, Aaron Estrada at the one. I'd go with Rylan Griffin at the three, um, Grant Nelson at the four, and then Nick Pringle at the five. That's your three returning uh, players, at least the ones that saw the court last year, um, and then your your two top transfers. So I think that one makes the most sense. And I, I think if Mark was healthy, then we would see him in the starting lineup. You look back at what they were uh, – or what they rolled out there for the Wake Forest game, you had Jaron Stevenson at the four uh, and, and kind of went with a bigger lineup. And I think we could see that at times. But I think just from a, a starting five standpoint, I think you go with your your program veterans at this point and then the, the two key transfers you got to the portal. Kind of feels like Nelson, Sears, Estrada, and Pringle are givens, to me anyway. Mm-hmm. So it comes down to maybe that fifth guy. Um, and also, when you think about this team from a depth perspective with Sears being able to go, and then if Stevenson isn't a starter to go along with maybe Latrell Wrightsell and uh, Sam Walters, you know, this could be a pretty deep team too. Yeah, I almost feel like it's a little deeper. Um, and, and you look at what – they've gotten production wise from some of these maybe role players or bench players. Um, and I don't know what the season's going to hold for a guy like Sam Walters, but my man's been playing his ass off. The <laughs> you can pre-season. shoot the three. It's going to hold something for you, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. He's four, six this last game. He hit seven against TCU and had 29. So, you know, he comes out of two preseason games against power five competition with over 40 points. And um, that's saying something. And I, I think, I don't think he's a guy that uh, can necessarily step into the starting lineup game one. But, you know, I think, you know, it, first of all, Nate has kind of mentioned him as a, a two to three kind of guy. And with his height, they can throw out some some crazy lineups, I think. But I, I still like – we haven't seen a ton of production from him. Uh, but I think Ryan Griffin's a guy that they uh, have high hopes for, they have big plans for, and, and I'd be shocked if he's not in the starting lineup on Monday. Yeah, I I think, you know, some interesting things to consider with this team with the attrition from a year ago. uh, For me, it starts on the ball. You know, can they handle the ball well enough? Uh, They had some turnover issues in the in the preseason in the exhibition loss at Wake Forest. But in terms of length and versatility, hard not to like this team. And, you know, still some questions maybe as far as depth in the post. They address that through the transfer portal also. So. Just a, I would say a team that on the surface anyway, I don't know if it's going to repeat a lot of the things or one or two of the things it did from a year ago. That was a hell of a resume, especially going into the NCAA tournament. But I get the sense it's going to be a really fun team to watch. I do too. I wish we could have seen those two games in the preseason. It's kind of stupid that we couldn't. But um, I, I do think that you bring in – some of these guys from the portal, that's going to help uh, stop the bleeding a little bit. It, it, you're going to miss Betty Ako, 
I think getting him back would have been huge for this team. I think they would have been projected to to maybe even win the SEC. Uh, but I think that you you got to have some production from guys like uh, Wage coming in. And it's good to see him back on the court. Him and uh, Muhammad Diabate came in and were able to play after you know, being injured and having procedures actually this offseason. But I do think that the the depth is improved. And I'm with you. I'm, I'm interested to see, you know, guys on the ball, you know, who runs the point. I think Aaron Estrada has uh, the potential to be uh, an all-SEC caliber player. I think, you know, Sears can do it. Ridesville can do it. Uh, be interesting to see if they have any bigger dudes that can do it, like we saw from Brandon Miller last year. But um, I, I do think that defensively, that's my question of how this team going to look because, you know, Betty Aka was the anchor there. You had some guys like Clowney and Brandon Miller, um, heck, Namari Burnett and, and Jaden Bradley played good defense last year, and they're no longer in town. You look at what they were uh, able to do in the preseason, giving up, you know, 80-plus in both games. That's not something I think Nato's is probably happy with. I do think getting in out of the way and, and learning from these mistakes now when they don't count is is important. Um, but I, I'm interested to see just how this team looks defensively because on paper and, and really what we've seen is you know, they're capable of scoring and, and they can um, make a lot of threes too. So I do agree with you that I think this team is going to be a lot of fun to watch, but I'm interested to see how they kind of grow and develop defensively. And we're going to have coverage of that and, of course, all things Alabama LSU this weekend. Also, the recruiting angle for Alabama LSU, Tim Watts, our site publisher, Andrew Bone, Joseph Hastings from that side of things. Going to take you all the way through the weekend on the recruiting front. And then our senior team reporter right here, Charlie Potter, going to spearhead our coverage from Tuscaloosa as well. Hey, Charlie, thanks for doing it. Yeah, no problem, man. It's always good to catch up. You're going to catch up with Charlie, myself, and the rest of our BOL staff right there at BamaOnline.com. Come hang out with us on the Roundtable, the premium message board of choice for Alabama fans around the globe. If you haven't subscribed to our YouTube channel, you can do that right now. Just hit that subscribe button. Turn on those notifications. You'll be alerted right when our video content makes its way to the YouTube home for B-O-L. For Charlie Potter, Travis Ryer, thanking you once again. And until next time, so long, everybody.